Independent. Expressive of a spirit of independence, self-confident, unconstrained. My name is Joe Armstrong, and you are listening to Independence Day. This is the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers, and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances, and inside information, all without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. This week on Independence Day, Sam Morrow. Sam Morrow's take on Americana mines the rich depths of the lineage of Southern rock and renegade country with his meaty voice front and center. Morrow's delivery is powerful and gritty, the kind of voice that could sing the phone book and make it sound like an anthem. Stylistically, there are shades of Cash, Waylon, and Merle on both his albums to date, and Morrow's youthful struggles with substance abuse have given him a hard-won perspective on the demons that haunt frail and fallible human souls that he shares with his idols. But along with the shades of the Mount Rushmore faces of Roots Rock, Morrow also includes influences and colors that show his age. He's still young, and he grew up in a mashup world without record store bins to keep artists in stylistic boxes. He's not afraid to throw a radio cover up on YouTube. Morrow's vocal command reflects hints of a sort of backwoods Jeff Buckley, and his instrumentation and arrangements have a groove that is definitely more Memphis than Nashville or Austin. There is a bit of bounce and boogie in the drums, and pulsing, groovy Hammond B3 lines provide a counterpoint to Morrow's passionate ruminations. The masters of the trade approach their songs with a fearlessness to tell the stark truth about whatever story they're telling, and Morrow shares this honest, no BS approach. Many ears are no doubt eagerly awaiting his forthcoming new album. Welcome to Independence Day, Sam Morrow. What's up, Sam? How's it going, Joe? Good, man. Thank you for coming on the show. Appreciate it. Sure. Thanks for having me. I've been hearing your name around town, you know, <laughs> just kind of uh, coming up through the music business. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's always interesting to me when I meet someone like you who's so very talented and I've just now heard of you. Yeah. Now, you're kind Appreciate of earlier that. in a career. Yeah. Yeah. I've done quite a bit for how far I am in my career, but uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's still pretty early. I'm still pretty young, so... I have to keep reminding myself that, you know, yeah. uh, that, you know, I, I, actually a guy told me the other day, a, f- a friend of mine, um, he was like, man, you know, you only got a couple more years before you might have to think about, you know, packing it in. He's, he's this old, he's this old timer. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. You know, he's, he's probably, you know, he's in his sixties or so, you know, but he kind of grew up in the time where, you know, if you got to looking old, you're screwed. You know, you're not you're not yeah. gonna make it in the music industry. When nowadays you have, you know, Sergio Simpson, Chris Stapleton, Jason Isbell, all these guys that are, you know, almost forty that are right making it. You know, and just just kind of not just making it, but getting their, you know, get finally getting their hitting popularity. their stride exactly hitting their stride. You yeah. know, Isbell. You know, he started off young. He was by far the sure. youngest member of Drive By Truckers when yeah. he started. Yeah. He was ten years younger than those guys, I think. Yeah, because they'd been so. at it a while, a long time. And then yeah. you know, which when is he crazy up, because they're they go pretty hard. You yeah, know? <laughs> yeah. Well, that that wound down. Yeah, I mean, it did. That it was did. not sustainable. Yeah, like that kind <laughs> no. of that kind of no. like I remember seeing them. They played at a festival that doesn't exist anymore. Uh, uh, what was that called? A uh, Sunset Junction Festival. Okay. And Drive By Truckers played like when Isbell was still with them, and that was the time when they were still passing a handle of Jack sure. Daniels around yeah. on stage, which <laughs> makes for a good legend. Yeah, sure. You know? But like, if you're not careful, like that legend, you become deceased, and then you're only the legend. Yeah, I think you know? Isbell was pretty close to that. You yeah, know? I think he so, was too. Yeah. Uh, and look what I mean. Look what came of it. And your story is not unlike his in some regards. Like you've had struggles with with substances. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I started at a young age and. Um, you know, kind of did everything that you can imagine, you yeah. know, um, 
And uh, I was lucky to just have sort of some clarity when I was like 20 years old, yeah. um, which is uh, can be pretty uncommon for people. Yeah. You know? um, some people, they never figure it out. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I've, you know, I do, I do what I can to help, you know, people struggling. And, you know, when, when you're kind of that guy that has had some success in recovery, you know, people, you're kind of that guy to people, you know, right. so anytime their friends having an issue or whatever, um, they always come to me and, um, it's tough. It's tough to even give advice on that subject. Cause it's, there's not that much you can do, you know, besides yeah. just be there for that person and be there when they're ready to do what they need to do. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people, I mean, I have a lot of friends that have, that have died, you know, and a, a lot of friends that are, they might as well be dead, you yeah. know? Um, so yeah, I consider myself lucky. I mean, it's a, it's an everyday thing. You know, I'm not done with this. I mean, I could go drink after this, you know, um, I don't plan on it, but you know, well, as I understand, I mean, I have, you know, there are, there's not a lot of like drug addicts (laughs) in my family. There's a couple alcoholics, like one on either side, one on mom's side, one on dad's side. Yeah. Uh, the one on dad's side kind of just kind of drifted away from it on his own, which is really unusual. Sure. Like he just kind of, I don't know if he got bored with it. Or what? But he he just kind of figured that it out. Uh, and then my other the other person on my mom's side, like man, he was in it all the way. Yeah, like, it's always alcoholic. I remember him drinking. He would you know what Crystal Light is? Yeah, it's like a and that powder it's powder yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's like a diet game, like <laughs> yeah. a diet Kool Aid. Just pouring it in vodka. Or well, something he would like make that. Crystal Light and like drink vodka with Crystal Light. Yeah. Like, that was like that's his mixed drink. Yeah, like, God, Jesus man. I've actually heard of someone else doing that. Yeah, yeah. and he. You know, he, knock on wood, man, it's been about two years now for him. Oh, but that brings me to my point, which was that there's the thing. Like, did you go, was it like a 12-step program that you went through when you did it? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of dabbled in a bunch of different things. You know, I I got I got kind of what I needed from a bunch of different areas, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and nowadays, uh, you know, I'll, I, I, stuff that I practice is from the 12-step program. You know, stuff that I practice is from just, um, you know, meditation right. or... or I mean, music is obviously yeah, um, yeah. really sort of saved my life. You know, it gave me sort of a purpose. You yeah. know, um, and I encourage anyone that you know is trying to attain some sort of recovery to, you know, find find something creative. You know, yeah. um, it doesn't have to be music. You know, it can be painting or cooking or just helping people. You yeah. know, organizing. You know, some sort of event where you go help homeless people that that's creativity you know yeah um so i i don't know what i would do without that side of uh of my recovery yeah you know two things come to mind and which is that that's what i was like alluding to with the 12-step thing is like whether or not you are a big 12-step person and i mean anybody is the you the royal you sure uh the one day to time thing like anyone i know in recovery will tell you what you just said a few minutes ago which is that look yeah there's there's not a cure no, you know, it's no. not like all of a sudden one day you do X, Y, and Z, and then you're better, and then you don't want it anymore. Right. Exactly. You know, like every single person, and Isabel, I've heard him say this a dozen times. Yeah. Every, every other person say, "Look, it's it's really, it's a constant thing. It might not be something you think about twenty four seven, right? But it's just like that one sip away, or that one pill away, or that one thing away that you could just tumble right back into it. Right. And I think about it a lot, like how how easy it would be for me. You know, obviously I'm a musician. I I play in bars and venues and my whole band drinks and, uh, you know, smokes, whatever, whatever they want to do. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's almost trippy to me how easy it would be for me to be like, let me hit that. 
or you know let me let me yeah. take a sip of that you know it's that easy you know yeah. so um but for me i maybe it would be okay for a little while you know maybe yeah. it'd be okay that night but uh inevitably i would be i don't know on the streets or something yeah you know it seems um, like the second thing i was gonna get i'm, I'm sorry but it's it seems like it's a hole that you're trying to fill Sure. A lot of people are yeah. with a substance, you know, it's, and who knows what that hole is. I mean, there are people who had perfectly normal, perfectly caring, supportive environments growing up who fall into substance abuse, who there's, they'll tell you like there's a hole they're trying to fill. And to your point, I think having a creative outlet, having an avocation once you've, you know, because you can't fill that with booze and pills and drugs and syringes and, you know, mm-hmm. smoke crack pipes or whatever the hell, uh, that hole is still there. That that yearning is still there. That emptiness is still there. So if you if you can, creative pursuits are really good things to put in that hole. Sure. At least I, it seems to me like that's the case. Everyone I've known that they've. Yeah, I mean, for that. me, like <clears throat> I didn't have like a gnarly childhood or anything like that. You know, I've I have great parents. It took me like twenty one, twenty two years to realize they were great parents, but nonetheless, they were great parents. Um, but I just. I mean, not, maybe not a lot of people relate to this, but I just did drugs because they were fun. Yeah. You know, they were just, they were awesome. You know, it made me feel good. And then eventually it just turned into, it got dark, you know, and it, it, it was, I, I have this addictive personality, you know, that just kind of took me down a hole pretty quick, you know. Yeah. But I, I didn't really start because I was trying to fill something, but, uh, um, you know, now I kind of almost have to like, fill that hole that drugs made you know that's that's kind of more more how it is for me you know i know some people have battered past and yeah you know have trauma or whatever but uh i don't know maybe i'm a little different in that respect you know well the other facet is or the other way is that you know (laughs) once you get into that lifestyle like that then creates a hole like you said right exactly Which then once that once that once that's there you know you can use any metaphor you want (laughs) uh that monkey or that hole or whatever once that exists it doesn't unexist one day it's kind of always there and it's then that's when like the struggle comes in but right exactly but man i mean we're not really here to talk about that i mean i'm (laughs) I'm always elated to hear people you know who who are at least winning in the struggle yeah, you know, or or are uh, conscious, self conscious enough to know that it is a struggle and know to be mindful about it, and then refocus themselves in a different way. Like Isabel, I mean, good God, look what happened when he finally got his act together. Pretty crazy. I mean, yeah. Southeastern honestly is one of the most stunning artistic things yeah. I've heard in years. Well, and he actually. I think he might have gotten sober like a year after me or something like that. Cause Southeastern came out for me, like sort of early sobriety for me. So it was extra special when yeah. it came out, you know, cause all the songs were just intensely relatable for me, yeah. you know, um, that was a really important record for me. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, uh, and it's always funny too, because it seems like the, you know, when someone makes a record like that in their career, no matter who it is, it seems like the accolades come the album afterward. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. It's like they do this stunning achievement, and then the next record might not be quite as good, but because they got all the uh, right. accolades and because they got people's attention right. for like that Watershed record, then the next record comes along. I remember uh, Bob Schneider was like that, Texas Austin yeah, guy. Yeah, sure. Like he'd released a record that I thought was pretty good, and then 
didn't really, you know, it did okay. But then the next record, all of a sudden, everybody knew who he was. Like right. after that, it's yeah. just interesting how it de- it's delayed. The music like that. business is weird. The music yeah. business is weird. That's a nice way to say it. Yeah. <laughs> My guest this week on Independence Day, Sam Morrow, Los Angeles-based singer, songwriter, excellent voice, great songs, Texas by birth. Uh, spent some time in New York City, and first we're going to hear a song off your most recent record. Uh, we're going to have you guys. You're going to play. You got uh, Eli Wolfmeyer with you. Yeah. You guys are going to play some live songs here in a few minutes. But before we get into that, let's hear this first. This is the song. Am I wrong? Correct. Correct. Yeah. All right. Now t- tell me just a wee bit about this one. Let's hear it. Uh, Am I wrong? Is uh, it's one that I don't really play very often. So, um, but it, it's it's basically a lot about psychedelics essentially yeah uh it's my experience as like a young uh, psychedelics just sort of changing my point of view and you know just how i see things and everything like that, that that's essentially it you know? yeah. yeah all right so check this out this week's guest sam morrow you can visit him at sammorrowmusic.com m-o-r-o-o-w music.com sam morrow with am i wrong <laughs> Just work a nine to five Come home with my money and the world is right I get something some way, it just went wrong Need more from my day than just water cooler talk Am I wrong? When my mind is lifted Did you see that sign I was so high that I missed it Yeah, we just wanted brighter colors And a place to go See traces of where we've been But we knew it all Drove off the levee Didn't think we'd fall Yeah, we watched the city burn Right before our eyes Yeah, the fire never get us Cause it's cold inside And my
My name is Joe Armstrong. Thank you ever so much for listening to Independence Day. Come to you Wednesday nights, Pacific time, 7 p.m. You can do the math and figure out what time that is in your time zone. Also, listen to us 24 hours a day on iTunes, indepthday.com slash iTunes. And of course, indepthday.com is the world HQ for all things music in my world. This week's guest, like I was saying, Sam Morrow. Great music, man. Thanks, I appreciate I that. I like what you do. I like Thanks. what you do. It's cool. Like I said before, like I think I got rolling with this whole thing by saying like, you've been in LA a good while, and I kind of heard your name a little bit, but like, so <laughs> great to finally meet you Absolutely. and figure out what you're about. I can't wait for you guys to play these live songs in a few minutes. Yeah. Like, I guess yeah. it's going to be good stuff. Uh, and make sure you also drop by uh, our YouTube channel. There's a, there's a video of Sam and Eli playing a song there, and also the web-exclusive track as well. So... First thing I want to talk about with you, now that we've got all that drug stuff out of the way, uh, which I'm sure may come back, is in your bio, it said, it mentions like flaws and strengths mm-hmm. in your in your bio. And I just wanted to know, like when you, you know, because someone I'm assuming interviewed you for this, that bio, and then they kind of wrote something up about you. Like when you think of that, like what would you perceive to be your flaws and strengths? Every musician kind of feels that differently. Like some people work, like some people like, take the things that they they feel inadequate about and then work really hard at those to get better at them. Some sure. people just kind of accept that, okay, I'm not good at doing dance music, so I'm not going to bother. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. how do you approach that? Man, um, I mean, some of my fl- my flaws, that's a tough And I don't question, mean character man. flaws. Yeah. I mean, like, musical, like, places where you feel like you're not comfortable, you know, or where do you push okay, yourself? So, another way to say that. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like, I had a lot, like, after the last record, I really felt like I had a lot of room to get better at guitar. Um, you know, I've kind of gotten by um, playing guitar. Every time I'm playing guitar, I'm singing, you know, so it's basically just strumming chords, whatever it may accompanying be. Accompanying yourself. Yeah, exactly, accompanying myself. So after this last record, I really, you know, developed an interest in, like, actually getting better at playing some lead stuff and you know, uh, doing some different stuff even while I'm singing, you know. And it was really, uh, I have a, a buddy of mine who he lives in Nashville now. His name is, uh, <coughs> excuse me, his name is Mike Khalil. Um, and we oh, went, I know Mike. We went, yeah, we went on a tour together. And he's just an insane guitar player. Um, and uh, he really inspired me to, like, get back and, you know, really focus on guitar um but whenever i did focus on guitar for me my brain is either like i'm focusing on guitar or i'm focusing on songwriting i can't can't really do both at the same two masters yeah i can't really do so for like six to nine months i didn't really write too much you know i just really focused on guitar and um you know I've, i've really started playing electric more live you know even doing some solos, you know, when I can't get enough confidence to do so, you know. Um, Because to me, that that can really separate um, a great songwriter, you know, as someone that on stage can, you know, also bust out a solo here and there. You know, they're just a great guitar player, you know. Um, You know, like we were talking about Jason Isbell, he's an insane guitar player. He really is. Um, It's funny he's gotten away from it. Yeah. In the live shows. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. But he'll... Every once in a while, he'll do some crazy solo or something like that. And even Sturgill Simpson, you know, we, we I keep bringing up these names, but um, he's an amazing guitar player, too. And he actually just got rid of his guitar player, and now he's Joe. doing all the lead stuff, Little Joe, right? Um, so that's what I've kind of, I, I realized that that was a flaw that I really wanted to work on, you know? And, and just recently, I've 
kind of been trying to get back to the songwriting portion of my brain, you know. It's interesting how you say it's kind of delineated. Yeah. As like one or the other to focus on like that. And I, and I can I can relate to that. Yeah, I always think about players like um BB uh, King. Like if you watch BB King when he played, he never played he never played rhythm guitar. Mhm. You know, I mean, now he was B.B. King, so he, he always had a band. As long as I've ever known him, since before I was born, he had a band. So he didn't have to play rhythm guitar. Right. He stood up there and kind of did his bouncy thing. And then he would sing a line and go, yeah. and then sing a line and go, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm doing a very poor. That's a good impression. Very yeah. poor impression yeah. of B.B. Uh, <laughs> King. Don't don't BS me, man. Uh, but uh, but that was like his whole thing was like he didn't do them both at the same time. All right. So because it's. He didn't have to kind of switch gears because, as as a, as a person who does that myself, like performing, like my new band is a trio, mm-hmm. so now I'm playing all the solos and all the complementary guitar and all the rhythm guitar, and it's a lot of responsibility. And in, it took me a really long time to embrace having a role like that because some of it was like my ego. As much of an ego, you know, musicians all have some kind of ego, but it's not all about me. I don't want it to be all about me. I want someone else's flavor in there. Mm-hmm. But it just got to the point where I was tired of scheduling people, and I couldn't afford to pay a guitar player. So it's tough, man. I, there yeah. I am. Yeah, you know, I'm going to do it. You know, it's definitely more economical to play as a trio. But uh, you know, I would like to eventually, hopefully, get to a place where on guitar where I can do that. But um, I'm just not there yet. You know, um, but it's just something I'm going to keep working at and working at. And you know, right now, I like I said, I just kind of switched gears to songwriting. Again, that's because I'm about to start recording a new record, so yeah, yeah. um, got to really focus on that. But you know, even even uh, you know the time I have spent just playing guitar, I you know while I'm writing, you know I'm thinking of okay, well, what will this be like on guitar, or right. what's a what's a good um, you know guitar riff or guitar melody to start this song out with, you know. Um, so it has bled into the songwriting, but like I said, for me, it's it's two different things, you know? Yeah. People approach it from different perspectives. Like when you go into record, some people think, okay, well, I'm going to record this with the thought that I know that I'm going to be performing the song live. And, you know, it's like, you know, it's like the whole Beatles concept. Like eventually they realized that they didn't want to be bound by what they thought they could play live. And there right. were four of them. And they had, they had, you know, unlocked Pandora's box of the recording studio with George Martin's help at exactly the right time in technology and music. Right. So that then it facilitated their creativity along with drugs and, <laughs> and just their, their insane amount of talent that they all had uh-huh. and allowed them to um, kind of abandon that thought. But those of us who perform and go on tour and want to perform these songs live, I feel like it's almost impossible to not, when you're recording that song, to not think, okay, how on earth am I going to pull this off when right. I perform it live? Yeah, I... I mean, I've had that same sort of inner dialogue, you know. Um, but for me, I—I I mean, I play—I play with a lot of different ensembles. Like, you know, even in LA, you know, I kind of have a few guitar players that I like to play with, a few bass players, a couple of drummers, um, and then pretty much every time I go on the road, I have a different band, you know, just yeah. about. So, but one of the things that I love about that is, you know, I don't. Our first rehearsal, I just let them come in with what they're gonna do. You know, um, you know, I, I like to play with guys that are creative, and you know, they they're. I tell them, you know, don't worry about what's on the record. You know, I mean, if you want to play sort of close to that, that's fine. But I love just hearing what each ensemble does differently to each of the songs. And for me, 
or as someone who plays these songs all the time, it makes it a little bit more interesting and yeah. fun for me, you know? Um, now, you know, if something's way off or whatever, I'll say something, but right. um, I, I surround myself with musicians that are, are I think are better than me, you know, or guys yeah, yeah. that I really look up to and their respective instruments. So, um, and they make me sound better ultimately. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's, that's what I absolutely love to do. But I, I have had that inner dialogue with myself, like how, how am I going to do this, you know, yeah. live? And that last song that just played, Am I Wrong? Um, it, there's, uh, I, there's that portion in there that is a little weird. And, uh, I had, that's, I had that specific inner dialogue on that song, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I love using the studio as a creative tool and even to the extent, I mean, I even, I do the show with digital software to put every, assemble everything, but I came up through the world of tape sure. where there was no nonlinear. Everything was linear. Like you had to actually, if you were going to perform that song, you could overdub. Mm-hmm. But if you and your band were going to perform that song, like that's how it was going to be. You could yeah. only do what you could play. Well, I think there's a balance too. You know, um, this this last record, I I tracked with s- sort of a core band, um, you know, all simultaneous, you know, with a drummer, bass player, guitar player, me, and keys, um, just at a big studio all tracking together. Um I just think there's something to that, you know, yeah. there's something to like a band all playing together. Yeah. Um, it well, just hold, sounds better. To hold me. that thought. Cause I want to, yeah. I want to explore that a little bit more. Yeah, but first sure. I want you to play a live song. You've got Eli here with you. Uh, he's going to play some guitar with you. What's this first song that you guys are going to play live? What is this one? This first song is called the deaf conductor. Um, this, this is actually primarily written by, uh, the guy that produces my stuff. Um, also the president of my label 40 below, uh, his name's Eric Korn. Um, this song is basically about a, a, a leader maybe that we shouldn't be following, you know, which uh, to some might be extra relevant right now. Um, and, uh, that's essentially it. I can't imagine yeah. what that would seem like. <laughs> yeah. I, I, in my wildest dreams, yeah. I can't imagine what that would be like. Oh, right. He wrote it before this whole debacle happened. Well, but, the cult of know. personality exists. Yeah. It's much, much larger than just this particular uh, uh, grotesque individual. So sure, absolutely. It's a, this is an archetype we're yeah, talking about absolutely. here. So, all right, so this week's guest on Independence Day, Sam Morrow. This is the song, The Deaf Conductor on Independence Day. Swallows his pride will always try and justify Reason for the choices made to not stand up and claim his prize Change yourselves, anyone Change your fooling yourself if you think people change Calling the shots and I'm making you say There ain't no supper on the table tonight And the phone sits silent away to run Change souls, anyone Change your fooling yourself If you think people change 
one but a sour note and about your song Was it worth the price you paid The bridges burned the way you lay Sam Morrow and Independence Day. I am Joe Armstrong. Thank you for listening. Drop by indepthday.com. Also indepthday.com slash iTunes. Follow us on Instagram at indepthday, and we're also on Twitter at indepthday. We're pretty well branded. I n d e p d a y. And of course, Sam Morrow. You can visit him on his website, sammorrowmusic.com. M o r r o w. Great song, man. Thank you. Great performance. It. Thank so you. much fun. I love having music in my house like this yeah you know it's a great house for music thank you thank you and uh you know i i try to create i try to in my whole life i try to create a creative environment to facilitate like we've got accordions hanging around we've got you know the the necessary tools drum set sitting in there you know I've, i've got basically the whole band if anybody wants to show up and play and that's what our thanksgivings wind up being you know people come over and then we play tunes which we like to do um one thing I really like about that song, I'm going to refer- reference this specifically, and then I want to talk about how you made this most recent record. You touched on that a little bit before, was I like when people do the Jayhawks thing when you have major and minor chords in the same song. Yeah. You know, when you're yeah. playing a diatonic song in the major key, you tend, you know, one, four, and five are all major chords. If you stick right. most songs are one, four, and five, you stick close to that. And it's not like you're break, you know, reinventing the wheel by throwing in a two or a three or a six. Right. But I, it, so kudos for doing that. I appreciate that. It's, it's yeah. reference in that tune. I like it. Yeah, Eric has a very unique way of, of writing. And another thing that you'll, I mean, one thing in that song that um, he he did that I would have never thought to do is that it's sort of well, the first chorus has it goes to um, you know the minor chord once, um, and the second it goes twice, and the third it goes three times. So it sort of repeats, but more times every chorus. Right. Which is, I don't know, something that uh, I, I wouldn't think of in a songwriting, you know, respect. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it, it's a great song. I just kind of put my, put my flavor on yeah. it, you know. I really like the, I mean, the, the, the tabula rasa aspect of songwriting is one of my favorite things. Like, there's so many, like, it's like I always feel like I, I learned the rules so I could then bend and break them. Yeah. You know, so I kind of knew yeah. both. Yeah, you know, like I do. I did learn theory, and I and I know how. And I studied songwriting. I continue to study songwriting. You know, yeah. not formally. I don't take classes, but I listen with big ears, sure, constantly. And you must do the same. You know, you as, have to as accomplished a writer songs. as you are. Yeah. Uh, so now let's talk about this most recent record, uh, which is called. I don't have a copy of it sitting in front of me. There is no could. map. Yes, there is yeah. no map. But this yeah. is so you opted to do this live as opposed to kind of assembling it. 
Yeah, so it's like primarily live. Um, you know, there's uh, there's still quite quite a bit of overdubs on it, but like sort of like I was saying, the core song is, you know, we had a drummer, me, a bass player, and a guitar player all in there for the core tunes. And sometimes, I think on a few, we had the keyboard player in there on sort of the core, I guess, for lack of a better word. Um, but there's just something to that. There's just something to like everyone being in one studio like like you're rehearsing or, or whatever it may be um you know being able to being able to look at the drummer being able to look at the bass player um you know and also just playing the song top to bottom you know yeah um there's like a, a cool cohesion there that i don't think you can really get from just overdubbing everything yeah. you know um Overdubs are important. Like, like I was saying, there needs to be some sort of balance, you know? Um, and I, th I think it's just finding that that's important, yeah. finding, you know, how much of each you need to do that works for you. Um, yeah. So where, what is that balance tough thing. for you specifically? Like, because I know it was, I mean, it's a very intentional thing when, a, when an artist goes in to record something live like that because, uh, you know, contrary to the way people outside the business think, like in some ways it's actually harder to do that because the studio yeah. may not have enough isolation for each specific instrument. Right. Um, for me, it was important to find somewhere that had that much isolation. We actually recorded majority of it right down the street from here at a place called King Size. Um, and it's a great studio. It's a great size. You know, there's enough isolation for all of that. Um, I did sing along to everyone, but we did overdub my vocals later. Um, but uh, my guitar, we... we uh, for the most part kept in there um but i don't know where is that balance for me uh, i think it depends on the song you know i think it every you know this whole pro the whole recording process is about what the song calls for and um you know i think i think getting as much of it down as you can at once is great um and then overdub should just be the th the little things that you're adding to it you know um it, it, it's hard to say exactly where that balance would be because I just think that it just depends on what the song calls it's for. Contextual. Yeah, exactly. Do you know Kip Boardman? He's a keyboard player. He's been around LA for a pretty yeah, long time. No, he I recognize an, that name, yeah. He released an album last year, I think, that was wholly live. Oh, wow. Like everything, top to bottom. Like they somehow, like he, I don't know, he, I think it was, he had played a gig at the Cinema Bar, I believe, where he got a, a pretty hot band. Eric Haywood played or, uh, pedal steel. I'm trying to think. Uh, uh, what's his name? Played guitar. Who moved to Nashville not too many years ago. He's been on the show. Why can't I think of his name? I feel like a jerk right now. Brian uh, Wright? Brian no, Wright no, no, no. What is his name? Dave Gleason. Okay. Dave Gleason. Telly Picker. Um, you know, uh, Rob Douglas on bass. I don't remember exactly which drummer he had. There's a lot of great drummers around L.A. But they, they had a great gig. It was kind of like the whole uh, Bring the Family thing with John Hyatt. Mm -hmm. Like, they had done that one record, and it was just like this, the sparks. Everything just kind of clicked in perfectly. Um, yeah. So they decided to go into the studio and do it that way. So they committed fully to doing the whole thing live. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, it's a courageous choice. Yeah. yeah there's... I, I mean, I think that's great. I think that's absolutely great. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. For me, I'm I can be a little bit of a perfectionist sometimes, and that that's that's that would be really difficult for me to do. Yeah. Just do absolutely no overdubs, you know. Um, but yeah, more power to you if you can how, do it. I'm sorry. How many sessions? So like for the record, now the record is how many songs? 
10? Uh, 10. 10, ish. ten yeah. So, and then how many sessions to get like a mostly live recording of 10 songs? So, we did uh, basically four days, four full days. Yeah. Um, we did like, you know, the first half uh, into two days, you know, one month, and then we waited like a month and did the second half. Yeah. Uh, and then about two days and got pretty much all of you know the core musicians on there you know and then you know obviously studio time's expensive so it's kind of nice to um we kind of did all the overdubs in a you know that my producer has sort of like a nice home studio so um and that's nice because you don't have the pressure of the clock and you know you can kind of go in as you please and get done what you want you know um there's not really the pressure of Oh man, I gotta pay another five hundred dollars if I yeah. do this tomorrow. You know. Yeah, technology has really facilitated that. Sure. Um, you know, it was something like when I was a kid. I think my first demo that we ever did to like try to get a gig, which like was like a stupid high school sock hop thing, was you know, we needed some kind of demo. But you know, we had no. You know, we're kids. We had no money. We had our right. instruments, um, and you know, we'd rehearse at the high school, so we didn't have to pay for rehearsals. And you know, it was on a cassette four track. Which was, you know, kind of like the way the Beatles started out, except it's a cassette. Like we, you know, if we did three tracks and we needed a fourth, but we knew we wanted more than four, we would then have to bounce those four down to the next track yeah. with the next overdub, right, yeah. and then you just keep building on top of that, you know. And I think we did a Beatles song and a Brian Adams song uh-huh. were the two songs we did. But like it's, you know, we had like one mic, like one SM57, one cassette thing. The only reverb unit we had was in my Carvin half-stack tube head, which we somehow ran through to get spring reverb on it. Oh, wow. And it's like, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. Sure. We didn't have a mic stand. Like, we used, I remember going out and into the house, like, hey, Mom, can we borrow the vacuum? Right. So, like, vacuum and duct tape, and there was our mic stand. You know, yeah. you just do what you have to do. Sure. Um, it's, it's, you know, when you're into something, it's not going to, you know, nothing's going to stop you, I guess. Right. No, absolutely. Yeah, I mean... To- I forget what you were saying that like kind of reminded me. Oh, yeah, technology has come really far where you can, um, you know, do pretty much everything from a home studio or whatever. But I don't know. For me, at the same time, uh, studios just sound different, you know. Um, You can – and it's also kind of important for me to have like a a board, you know, like a – Console. Yeah, a full console, you know, when you're actually, not maybe not for overdubs, but when you're doing like a full band thing, um, like King Size has a nice Neve. Um, We did some other stuff at New Monkey that has a Trident A range, and, you know, Station Station House has a something else there. But it all has, it has their own unique sound. You know, if you really listen, you can tell the difference between you know, all those different studios. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think, I think that's important too. And you lose that when you're just doing it all at home, you know, yeah. it's, it seems more sort of manufactured, you know? Yeah. Well, it's a trade off. Yeah. You know, sure. like we don't, a lot of us, you know, we independent musicians don't have huge budgets to do these things. And yeah. even a lot of us these days, if we're on a label, it's a smaller label. The label doesn't have a ton of money to throw sure, at you either. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, but the, we have options now, I guess that's the benefit. Yeah. You know, we can do a lot with a little, and you can get some great gear at home. And then, like, I, what I like to do is, like, I'll do kind of what you did. Like, do um, as much of the band as I can live. Sure. And then at home, because my gear's not so bad, and I'll come home and I'll overdub things. I, I don't need to pay $100 an hour to overdub a tambourine. Yeah. Like, I can do yeah. that for free at home. Or, yeah. Or, or even a vocal. You know, I mean, a vocal or 
background vocal is yeah. totally totally fine to do at home yeah. in my opinion and then what i like to do is at that, that one once we're done with that which takes forever you take that back to the studio and then do the final mix right in a room because then you kind of yeah. have you've kind of split the difference sure you know sure. you kind of did the it's it's kind of like community college versus the big university you know it's like yeah. you do your tambourines at the community college <laughs> you do everything yeah. else at the university. <laughs> anyway, this week's guest, Sam Morrow. So glad to talk to you, man. It's fun to have you over. I want you to play another live song here. We'll talk a little bit more about your background and what got you to LA. Uh, what's this next tune going to be? I think this is Wasted Time. Yeah, Wasted Time. So um, this is just essentially about you know things that I do to pass the time. That's maybe just you know a waste of time. You know, um, and. Uh, yeah, I mean that's that's essentially it. You know, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of really describing my tunes because I mean I kind of like for other people to have their own yeah, interpretations of, of them as well. But um, yeah, I think that's sufficient. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's just it's an open-ended question. Sure. You sure. Know, whatever you yeah. want to say, and as you know, as much as like, well, this song is about waste of time, and it's about wasting time. Right. Yeah. That'll do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah that, there it is. There and it is. there it is. All right. So Sam Morrow in Independence Day. This is his song, Wasted Time. Then the truth till it breaks and you leave. All just hookers and high heels. Yeah, we sell ourselves short, still dry and stand tall. Oh, now put on faith. Just to please I nod my hand just to agree I've been holding on so tight Now I'm tired of this fight No, it's a waste Waste Wasted time Won't you like me? Retweet and follow me. Yes, I wish that we knew where we were going. And there's that dollar, the goddamn dollar. It'll choke us and leave us for another. Oh, now, put on faces just to please them. I nod my head just to agree. Well, I've been holding on so tight. Now I'm tired of this fight. No, it's a waste. Wasted time 
I've been holding on so tight Now I'm tired of this pain No, it's wasted, wasted, wasted I'm wasting, wasted time My name is Joe Armstrong. I'm the host of Independence Day, also the producer of Independence Day. Come to you Wednesday night, 7 p.m., but you can listen to these episodes 24-7, 365. If you've got the Apple a Native Podcast app on your phone, I think you look up Independence Day Radio, and that's T apostrophe S, not E-N-C, as in the Day of Independence. Uh, possessive. And uh, this week's guest, Sam Morrow. Man, another great song. Appreciate it. Thank, Thank you, you for sharing your gifts with us, man. Yeah. That's what this is all about. It's Absolutely. vibrations, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's truly, it's true. Everything's, everything's vibrating. Uh, and great, great playing by Eli, too. Absolutely. We've been yeah. talking with he's, Eli. He's by awesome. we, I mean the show. We've been talking with Eli. He's going to come on and do his own show before too terribly yeah, long. Yeah, he's awesome. They got a, he's got a band called Leroy from the North and. Uh, they're uh, easily one of my favorite bands in L.A. You know? Not so long ago, he was at the uh, Grand Ole Echo sure. for the opening night. Not yeah. just a couple of weeks back, playing. Uh, got his band. He did several sets back there. It's yeah. It's fun. It's interesting because it. I mean, it starts off as kind of an Almond Brothers kind of thing, but then it drifts into other areas like Beatles esque kind of things. Yeah, it's interesting. It, it, it's, and I love his voice. Too. It's a lot to chew on. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Anyway. And a trio. They get away with yeah. it on a trio. Yeah, which is hard to do, as we've yeah. been talking about before. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your baseball card. Like, you came up through Texas. Houston area? Houston, I got yeah. that right? Yeah. So, like, what... I mean, were you always musical, like, as a kid? And then through high school, were you, like, the kid in the playing in the jazz band or acting in plays? Or, like, were you involved in creative uh, stuff in high school? A little bit. I mean, I I really didn't like really discover music till I was like maybe thirteen, something like that. So maybe a little bit later, comparatively to everybody else. Um, I did play like saxophone in fifth grade, um, and I I did really like it, but I didn't really stick with it, you know. Yeah. Um, but I kind of started playing music, uh, playing in churches uh, in the south. I. It's a pretty common thing being yeah. down there. I mean, what was the dis? Was it Baptist? Because so many Baptist Methodist, churches. Methodist, Methodist. Methodist okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know. It's all the same to me, really. You know. Um, but yeah, they. Uh, I mean, that's a pretty common story. You know, a lot of musicians in the South. That's kind of, you know, how they get their start. Whether it's like worship music or gospel or whatever. Um, so that that but it, that really gave me the opportunity to start playing with people, you know, um, which is very was very valuable to me, you know. Start playing with a band, um, learning from you know older dudes, and um, you know I I I'm re- I'm really appreciative of kind of what I got from from that, you know. Um, so I did do that, you know, all throughout you know junior high and, and high school, um, but. Uh, I never really was intensely focused on it because of kind of what we talked about before with uh, all of the drugs and everything. So um, I didn't get super focused on it till I, you know, sobered up. And I mean, when I was, when I was, uh, you know, 18, I, I really 
you know, I would say was I was a musician, but really it was just an excuse to not have a job, you know. Uh, it was just, oh, yeah, I'm a musician, but really I was selling drugs and doing that whole thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I would play every once in a while, but, it, you know, that wasn't my focus, you know. It just wasn't right. my focus. And But when I did sober up, it really became my main focus. And, you know, for the past six years, that's yeah. kind of what I've been doing, you know. It's interesting to see you know, like my whole circle of friends and everybody's circle of friends, like what gets them into music? Like, what is it, you know, for him in Springsteen, he'll tell you too, like it's girls and cars, <laughs> you know, yeah. and guitars and, you know, yeah. beer and whiskey and whatever, like everybody gets into it for a different reason, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, unless you get a, a large amount of success, like the, the hangers on or the people who are in it for, for the wrong reasons kind of fall away over time unless they get a lot of success and then they're allowed to just kind of continue to exist in that like non-reality universe. Sure. You know, a lot of people like my friends who, and I'm not just in saying that my friends got into it just to, just for girls and cars and, you know, drugs, but there was certainly an element of that. And it was funny, like in my circle of friends, like when my buddies started getting into pot, for example, it's like they didn't want to play music anymore. They just wanted to smoke pot. Yeah. And, and that's all well and good for people. And some people go a long way smoking pot and music. And I'm not taking anything away from any of those people that do. But I, I was very focused on the music. Like any of the ancillary stuff, like that was fun. You know, it was kind of part of the experience, I suppose. Right. Like I was really focused on the music. And that's kind of when our friendships diverged right. in our lives. Is when they, like, they made a choice. Because like, it was like their thing was like, oh, it's Friday night. Let's get high and X, Y, right. or Z. Right. Let's get high and go to the movies. Let's get high and go to the park. Let's get high and go to McDonald's. Let's get high and go to this person's house. And it's like, God, it's like, hey, you know, you have drums and <laughs> right. like we should be doing this. And they, I found it very frustrating. Right. You know, did you have a problem? Like, well, I think, you had them kind of mixed in together though, right? Yeah. No, I mean, I think I, there's there's this weird misconception that, you know, drugs will make you more creative, you know? Um, which I don't want to call it a complete misconception because I think there is something that you can take from, um, you know, marijuana or, or mushrooms or LSD or whatever, whatever it may be. I think that there is something that you can take from that and, and add it to your creative process. But at the same time, um, it also can take away from your creative process and that can be like just what you do, you know? Right. And, and, and also it... You know, I I thought that doing drugs every day was so spo I was so spontaneous, but really, um, I was just doing the same thing every day. Yeah. You know, um, and I I wasn't you know furthering my creative process or or whatever it may be. Um, and I kind of just lost my train of thought. But um, well, we were just talking about like the uh, creativity, how drugs can hinder that. When you think right. it's helping, I guess. Yeah, yeah, you think it's helping, but, you know, kind of after a while, at least for me, and, you know, all, like you said, I, I know guys that have smoked weed for 35 years and, you know, they're, they make more music than I do, you know? Um, and I think it's just, you got to know your own limits, you know? And for me, uh, you know, I, I can't smoke any weed and, and, and show up. Right. Or, uh, and, and, and write a song or whatever, or, you know, it just gets, uh, it catches up with me really fast. Yeah. You know, I think it's, a, it's functioning, like high functioning is like a word that you can kind of use right. in terms yeah. of that. Right. Cause I know creative people, famous creative people who will tell, well, Willie Nelson, 
Uh, Harold Ramis, I think. Yeah. You know, before he died, admitted like I smoked pot every day for twenty plus years. Yeah. Neil Young was a daily pot smoker as I read, and he quit for a while. Maybe he's back. I don't know. I don't. I don't keep yeah. up with my Neil Young trading cards, yeah. but um, it. Uh, I guess as long as it's not hurting, sure, you or those around you. You know, because I guess it's possible. Obviously, if guys like that can continue to be creative and continue to function, and I mean, I guess I don't really know if it's hurting Willie Nelson's family. I haven't asked them, but I wouldn't think so. But yeah. I mean, that's just him. That's him doing yeah. what he's doing, and it's what he's always done, and probably what he always will do. Sure. Yeah. You know, so if it's not hurting anybody, not taking away from what you're doing, I guess that's the line. Yeah, I would. I would say that that's. That's a perfectly fine line, you know. You know, and then you got guys, you know, of course, like the Hemingway, Hunter S. Thompson, like off the well, deep end. Well, their 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 personality was pushing the line, you know. Yeah, and uh, they kind of have their own thing, you know. Not too many people can get away with what Hunter S. Thompson got away with, you know? yeah, <laughs> on any level. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that movie's pretty funny though. Oh, All yeah. right, this week's guest on Independence Day, Sam Morrow. Sam, Eli, why don't you guys play another tune? What is this one, man? This one's called Barely Holding On. Uh, it's, man, oh, my, a lot of my songs are about drugs, but this one is basically about just, you know, barely holding on. It's sort of a, about a elongated cocaine binge, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And one thing I forgot to say, there's there there are some uh, there's some blue language in these songs. Most people have noticed. Now let's we'll talk about yeah. a little bit that when we come back. So I think sure. it's a, that's a conscious choice. Sure. But first, play this tune. So this is uh, Sam Morrow and Eli Wolfmeyer playing the song "Barely Holding On." Days been a whole week, but nothing's changed. It gave me freedom of speech then. Call me an asshole when I speak my brain. But me looking extra cloudy, just lean back and take a hit. Two piles of cocaine and just enough whiskey to kill the dream. I can't go on for too long Lord, help me, am I already gone? Oh, throwing it down, pick up too much I'm barely holding on Seems like nothing makes sense If I ran away, could you take a hint? No money, nowhere to go Got my cars maxed out Yeah, they can cut my blow I'm a new school outlaw Break all the rules And I don't leave the house at all You can chew me up like chicken fried steak Spit me out when you can't stand I can't eat I'm for too long Lord, help me, am I already gone? Oh, the wind, it don't pick up too much I'm barely holding on And the yellow wind's gonna blow 
But I can't go By myself I can't go on for too long Lord, help me, am I already gone? Oh, the wind, it don't pick up too much I'm barely holding on I can't hold on for too long Lord, help me, am I already gone? Oh, the wind, it don't pick up too much I'm barely I'm barely holding I'm barely holding yeah. oh. Alright Sam, Eli, great work Another Thanks. cool tune man I Appreciate dig it, it. Appreciate I dig it. it And what the hell was it we were going to talk about I, We were just talking about this Blue second. language Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. blue language uh, That's a conscious choice you know, like in some yeah. ways it's easier because radio airplay is something that isn't a practical practical consideration like it once was. Sure. The whole music business at one point was slave to radio, which was then, of course, slave to the FCC in terms of their regulations. But now, I mean, you must know it's a conscious choice to put words. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, radio radio is it can still be fairly important. You know, I mean, uh, you know, we have made clean versions of all these songs and everything, but. I don't know. For me, you know, at least for this record, I kind of wanted to write how I talked, and you know, there there can be a lot of emotion and and uh, and just meaning to the f word or yeah or, or whatever, and you know, you pick your poison. Any of those, any of those curse words, you know. Yeah. Um, and you know if, if that if that's what uh, you know felt right for me to put it on paper like that, then that's what's going to be. Yeah, you know. Well, if it's your vernacular, yeah, right. Especially if someone knows you as a person and knows that that's kind of part of just how you talk and how sure. you are. Yeah. Um. Then that's you being genuine. Sure. You know. I mean, I know. I think one of my new songs has my first FCC prohibited word in it, and I've <laughs> had a couple go. albums. Plus dozens of other songs that just are in various stages of completion, but this one, like, I, and I had to kind of think about it. It's like I think this is what I need to say. Yeah, you know, it's just interesting though because you can always feel it in a room, like you're playing, especially if it's a quiet room. Like at a bar, people don't notice as much, but if you're playing a quiet room and people are really listening intently, and you throw a word out there, like it, like it kind of rings a bell. Well, it can also you know get people. Yeah, it can get people's attention. You know, like for uh, wasted time, which. Uh, I played a couple of songs back. Yeah, yeah. It kind of starts out with an F-bomb. Yeah, two of your songs. Uh, I noticed this. Two of your songs yeah. have uh, expletives, like, in the first line. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I mean, it's part of, partially an attention grabber, you know, because um, it'll get people, whoa, did he just say, did he just say this? Did he just say yeah. that? You know, and uh, I love curse words, man. I think they can be great, you know, adjectives. You know, it's or, a hobby. <laughs> yeah, at least it is for me. Yeah, I mean, I I think they're great. You know, I mean, and it, look, and to it is to my detriment a little bit. Like I maybe you know have had trouble with sync licensing on some of these songs or whatever because a, a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them do talk. They're pretty directly about drugs. Or a lot of a lot of them do have curse words, you know. But 
it is what it is, you know. Um, yeah. That's what I wanted to write about. That's what I wanted to put yeah. in there. So, you know, well, like, the th- like her to leave it. You know? Yeah, it comes back to like, you know, one thing, you know, Isabel talks a lot about this and as do you. I've heard you, I've read some other interviews with you. You talk about being genuine or being real, right? And there's, you know, people can talk a lot about that. But the only way to actually do that is to actually do it. Yeah. Like yeah. the Nike commercial. Like the only way to be real you know, I remember reading years ago when I was a kid, it's like, you know, when the Stones wrote about, you know, using a needle and spoon in the basement, like they were actually using a needle and spoon in the basement. True. And that's where like that gray line of artistic license comes in. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, you writing about drugs or writing about experiences with drugs, experiential things are tied directly to things that you may have experienced. Now, you can expound upon that and you can bend the truth and you can fabricate things. Um, but it does lend, a, you know, an amount of authenticity if you've lived that life. Sure, absolutely. You know? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it absolutely does, you know, lend that authenticity. And, uh, you know, I I have talked about a lot in, in previous interviews and stuff about, you know, being honest, being real, being genuine, which is a, a, a very important thing, you know, for me because uh, it, it just helps me to – it helps my sanity, you know, Um but that's not to say that it's an easy thing to do, yeah. especially in the music industry. You right. Know? Um, you got to put it on for people. You know, you got to, excuse me, you got to, um, you know, get people to like you. That's, that's your, that's what you're there to it's do. Your stock and you trade. Know? Yeah. That's, you're, you're there to get people to like you. So it's hard. It's hard to remain like super genuine and super honest in, yeah. in this industry. You know, um, I have to check myself all the time. Like, right that's not what you would have said there or you didn't mean that or or whatever it is you know but it's kind of just towing that line and um you know figuring out when you should be really you and when you should kind of push it a little bit more to your own benefit you know it's interesting artists that i think of you know when i was in chicago playing music you know, I guess moving to Los Angeles definitely changed the way I approach my own music and the music industry. You know, you realize that you're you're an entertainer. Mm-hmm. Now, entertainment. This, I say this a lot on the show, so for listeners, forgive me for echoing what I've said a million times. But entertainment can be happy. Entertainment can be sad. Entertainment can be shocking. Entertainment can be light. Entertainment can be deep. Entertainment can be terrifying. Right? It can be all those things. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not just one thing. And different artists kind of, you know, mine different versions of that. Right. But one thing that I had to kind of learn, you know, Chicago's a very working, work-a-day town, mm-hmm. going to work. And music's the same way. We're writing our songs. We're playing our songs. I don't care what I'm wearing. I'm wearing a shirt. Who cares? Yeah. You know? But then I, when I moved here, it's not so much that it's just affectatious, but you learn that while you were on stage, people paid money, yeah. ideally, hopefully, sure. to come see you play to, for you to take them somewhere. Right. On some kind of trip or some kind of thing, you know, it's like you're part of the entertainment for their evening. Like for that two-hour period, you know, you're delivering something to them. And I think that responsibility is something I had to learn. Was that was it kind of like that for you too? Yeah, I mean, it's funny that you say that because um, I have sort of had that realization recently. You know, uh, I mean, fairly recently. It's kind of been it's kind of been in chunks, I guess. You know, yeah. um, but the whole you know being an entertainer kind of thing uh is a little bit new to me you know um you know being conscious about what i wear on stage is right. is, is one thing that in la seems to be uh maybe more important than the rest of the country you know um 
I mean, especially what I wear is, is something that, you know, has, has been on my mind a lot lately. Um, and just really realizing that you're, you're, you're there for other people's enjoyment, Yeah, you know? Um, yeah, it's, that's, it, it took me a while, I think, to realize that. And I think that living in LA, um, it's a unique place to play music. Yeah. You know? I mean, New York's got that too. Yeah. You know, and yeah. Chicago had it more than I was willing to admit at the time. Sure, sure. You know? Um, yeah, and I, I mean, I think that, like, you know, even, like, playing in Texas, it's uh, it's just different, you know? The crowds yeah. are different, you know? How they react to your music is different, you know? What the artist may be wearing or diff- is different. Um and you know that goes for like most of the south and you right. know i'm sure i'm sure new york city is well yeah they are sort of similar to la but i think la is just sort of its own animal as Definitely. far as the live music scene goes you know um you know it's hard to get people to come to shows right. you know unless it's kind of i hadn't noticed yeah unless it's it kind of has to be like the hip thing to do that night you know it can't just be oh i really like that artist um i'm going to go to a show it's like, oh well, so and so is going to be there too. You know, I'll, right. I'll, I'll go there because that you know the cool. That's where the cool kids are going that right. night. You know, and yeah. then they just sit there and cross their arms and stare at you, and screw you around know? on their phones. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and, and it's it, it is what it is, man. You know, yeah. um, I've just I don't know. I don't know. It's well, tough. It, it's it tough. comes back to being genuine. Like, yeah, the phrase that keeps coming back in my head is like, whatever it is that you are. Like be that sure the the best like most true version of whatever that is wherever your compass is pointing like that's your north star, and follow that like you don't even have to be going north but as long as you know where that north is, you're locked into where you can then navigate. Does that make sense like right. artistically? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and then one thing that LA taught me too, and it's funny, it's and I learned it from Tom Waits, who's not even here anymore. He's up in the Bay Area, you know, up in the it's like near Sebastopol somewhere. Is that like that ties into that entertainer thing we were talking about before, which is that you, like the, the artifice and the art are can kind of be the same thing. Like you can kind of be fake and real at the same thing. Mm. Like watch Tom Waits in an interview sometime, like and try to discern what's real and what he's making up as a performance. Like his whole life is performance art. Everything sure. that he's presented to the public since 19 whatever, yeah. 75, maybe before, is a character. Is that character him? Yes. Is it all him? Who's to say? Right. You know, yeah. and I think that's a fascinating thing that I learned coming here. Yeah. Um, because it allows you to kind of put on a character. Yeah, and that's something that I'm kind of trying to find a little bit, you know. I yeah. I don't know if I found that, that part of me as an artist, you know. Yeah. Kind of what I know, what I know how to be is just genuine and even sometimes that's that's hard um and and you know sometimes i realize like oh well is me being genuine boring you know um to to this other person you know right is me you know i i don't like to talk too much when i'm when i'm on stage in a show i like it to just be bam 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 song song maybe say a little bit here and there um I like that out of a show, but, you know, will this person like that out of my show? Or do they want me to, you know, go on these long diatribes, you know, whatever it may be, Um, which I end up, if if I do do that, I end up just rambling and it just sounds weird. Um, 
so it's, I don't know. It's just it, it's 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 a daily thing, you know. Yeah. It's just, it's it's sort of a daily struggle, just really finding, not only finding yourself, but finding who you are as an artist, you right. know. Um, which I think can change over time as well. Definitely. You know? I mean, a classic example I'll always use is uh, uh, U2 between the Joshua Tree and Octung Baby albums is the example I always think of. Like, there's those artists that like were always chameleons. Uh, David Bowie comes to mind. Like, sure. Every couple of years, it was a new thing that he was doing. But at the same time, you're like, oh, that's David Bowie. Right. Oh, that's who he. That's who he is. Right. And that know? became what he is. Is right. who knows. It's right. He, it's always fascinating to see what direction he was going to go in next. Right. Like a band like Joshua Tree, who like, like took being earnest to the bank. Like right. that Joshua Tree record was all about them discovering like this American culture and and like the big expansive. American personality, both of our American West, which is kind of a focus of that record, as well as just the American ideal, right? Of like self, like individualism and ruggedness and like doing stuff on your own. And and then, you know, everyone in my generation went crazy, went bananas for that because it was so real, mm-hmm. you know? And then they did that Rattle and Hum record, which was kind of like a half-live thing based on all the Joshua Tree, what they, what they did. And then the very next record, like it was all artifice. Octung Baby was... Bono created that fly character with the glasses and they were suddenly wearing crazy leather clothes and purple leather jackets and like studded belts and like totally reinvented on the biggest stage what they were to everybody. Sure. And I mean, that takes courage. Like on all levels, it takes courage to find yourself, to even think to search. Right. You know? Anyway, I'm talking way too much. No, you're fine, man. That's what we do. It's a conversation, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. One last question that I want to get you to play this last song because I'm really looking forward to hearing that is... For you and what you do, uh, your voice is such an important thing. Like mm-hmm. you've obviously been gifted with a, a, a very unique and strong, powerful voice, and you've learned Appreciate to use that. it well. So my question is, like, where did that come from for you? Because when I hear you singing, um, you know, I hear a lot of different influences. But one, I hear influences that maybe aren't that don't show up into a traditional like country or alt country, no depression style artist. Like I hear a little Jeff Buckley. You know, yeah, and I hear like a hint of maybe Ray Charles, and maybe even a hint of Tom York from Radiohead. Like, yeah. where, like, where did you find inspiration for the things that you do vocally? Um, or do you? I, I mean, I, I pull. I mean, I still pull from people, you know, and and you know, pull inspiration from different people like nearly daily from for things that I do vocally. You know, my my voice kind of kind of changes. I'll try out different things, you know. Um, and even, you know, every time I sing a song, it's a, it's a little bit different, you know? Um, I mean, all of those guys that you just listed are, are, you know, influences of mine vocally, you know, Ray Charles is a huge hero of mine. Um, you know, I, I take a lot from, you know, some country folks from Waylon and, you know, some of the runs that I've been doing, like most recently, those kind of fall off runs and stuff. Um, or, you know, from, you know, Waylon or, or Dwight Yoakam or whoever, you know, um, now my, my voice doesn't sound anything like Dwight Yoakam, but a lot, a lot of the runs that he does are just those classic country, like kind of falling off of the, right. falling off of the melody kind of, kind of runs, you know, which I have been incorporating a little bit, a little bit more lately. Um, and I, I think that, you know, I just kind of have this like all the kind of natural raspiness, you know, that it's like unavoidable for me. You know, I just don't have a clear voice, you know. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, but uh, you have it, a- it, it, it kind of depends on, like, you know, my, my the voice is a weird thing, at least mine is, because it, it sounds different to me, like, almost every day, you know, and I, I like, never know what I'm going to wake up with, you know, even if I do do, like, some sort of warm-up, um, uh, it, it's not like any other instrument, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, people who don't sing, it's hard to explain what it's like to yeah. carry your instrument around with you and how much it changes. Yeah. You know, like I always say, like my next record, I'm going to record the vocals as soon as I wake up in the morning. No. Because then my voice is like gravelly, gravelly, yeah. kind of trashed a little bit. You know, maybe I've been to the pub the night before. Who knows? Yeah. And uh, it puts a lot of character sure. in your voice. You know, you warm it up and then you can do more, it's more versatile, right? And you have more control once I've warmed up my voice. But I kind of like the surprises when you yeah. don't know what it's going to do. And yeah. You know it's a little, you know, it's like jumping into the ether. Yeah. You know, I kind of like that. Yeah, no, I would agree. And, and kind of back to what we were saying before about playing with different ensembles and kind of hearing what they do differently. I mean, the way I sing songs and, I, you know, I change them up like every time I see him because it makes it more fun for me you know yeah. maybe I'll find something I'll be like you know while I'm singing and I'll say oh I really really like that and I maybe I keep doing it for a little bit you know yeah um you know I also kind of do this sometimes do that Elvisy kind of thing where I come down and you know that's <laughs> not a good impression of it but I think I probably did it in one of these songs maybe girls or something like that um so I pull from everyone man it's it's tough to it's tough to really say where yeah. I got my voice. I think it's just still developing, you know. Yeah, and you know, it's it's not as if everyone can draw a direct line, sure, to yeah. those things, especially in 2017 when we live in a yeah. mashup world and we have the full width and breadth of all the music in our pocket at all times. You subscribe yeah. to Spotify. As a matter of fact, you don't even need to do that. Go on YouTube. You can find any, you know, you know, with the few exceptions of the Beatles who scrub it and there's other bands that really scrub the internet for their songs like you can find damn near anything yeah you know and you know i it was hard enough to be focused when i was a kid coming up and like what i was drawing from in terms of inspiration but like i can't imagine what the kids now it's like everything of all time like sorting it all out yeah it's a lot it's a full-time job it's a lot you know there, there's a lot of good stuff and there's a lot of bad stuff that's know? true yeah you gotta learn where the where the gotta learn where that compass is pointing man. exactly all right sam what one more tune what is this last one so this last one is called green um I actually do have a little story with this one. Uh, so I was I was playing this open mic in the valley. Um, the San Fernando Valley, for those San, of you yeah, who are not San in Fernando Los Angeles valley. area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it was a few years ago, and this guy came up and he had this gorgeous voice, just absolutely gorgeous voice. And, you know, he had a look to him. He looked, he looked good, you know. Um but, you know, when you really were listening to what he was saying, I mean, he was, I love you, I miss you. You know, I think at one point he just counted to eight during his song. You know, it was just, he wasn't saying anything, you know. Um, and, you know, as an artist and someone that's like, you know, trying to reach this point of being genuine, et cetera, um, you know, I, I, it kind of offended me a little bit, you know. So... uh that's kind of where this song comes from is just uh you know as me as an artist if i'm not saying anything then what am i doing yeah. you know I'm, why bother uh, saying uh, it as a sense. songwriter yeah. or as an artist you know you know kind of why bother you know yeah. and i know there's different 
ways of thinking about that, but I think that was mine at the time. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, follow your star, Sam. Yeah. All right. So this is Sam Morrow with Eli Wolfmeyer. The song is Green. I'm just so tired Diving in I'm coming up short Breaking my neck I could just lie Sit here and sing like I've felt that before In cash my check Would you applaud if I made it sound pretty? If I sang in key, could I make you leave? I thought we were crafty or acting like kind men. The same old bullshit don't make the grass green. You could just use cliches and talk about roses on Valentine's Day. Damn, it's a shame. Quit disguise. Dark sunglasses So you can't see my eyes Lord knows I've tried Would you applaud If I made it sound pretty If I sang in key, could I make you believe? I thought we were craftsmen, we're acting like common. The same old bullshit don't make the grass green. you believe me 
If my lies made you day Would you blow if I made it sound pretty? If I sing in key, could I make you be? I thought we were craftsmen or acting like men. The same old bullshit don't make the grass green I thought we were craftsmen We're acting like young men The same old bullshit don't make the grass green Sam, man, it has been an absolute joy getting to talk to you. Uh, you know, just as a human and as an artist, like watching you go through trying to figure out who you are. You know, because we're all still kind of trying to do that. I mean, you're a couple albums in, and you know, people need to be reminded that artists are always searching. You know, it's like we're the lens by which, you know, it's like artists see things and then kind of process it and then reflect it back. Right. At society, you know, and I think that if there's one good thing that's going to come out of this time of turmoil in our, in our, you know, socially in our country right now and in the world, honestly, is great art comes out of turmoil a sure. lot of times. Yeah. So, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. Yeah, I, c- I couldn't agree more with that, you know, whether it's comedy or music or especially comedy, I think right now is yeah. it's almost too easy. Um music whatever it may <laughs> it's be it's like fish in a barrel for yeah those it's people. just too every day there's something else you can talk about but um yeah you know i i think for me you know my art is that's that's a perfect analogy that you just made of just you know me seeing something and and reflecting my point of view back to you, you yeah know? that's uh it's a really great way of putting it yeah, thank you. Yeah. For those of you out there listening, you can drop by Sam Morrow's website, sammorrowmusic.com. Also on Instagram, he's M-A-M Sorrow, correct? Mam Sorrow? Yes. Also, I think on, on Twitter, uh, Sam Morrow Music. Uh, got a couple records. Drop by his website. Pick him up. Uh, go see him in a show. He's got some shows. He's always playing around Los Angeles. Any tours coming up anytime soon? In the summertime, uh, maybe? I just got off one. Um, I probably won't go on another like full tour until maybe August, September. I'm going okay. re- to be recording a new record this summer, so okay. Excellent. I'm going to be mostly in town. Yeah. Be sure to let us know when the record comes out. We would love Absolutely. to check in with you and see what you're up to. And uh, man, like I said, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And I, I really hope people go out and check out your music, sammorrowmusic.com. A couple of records, maybe an EP floating out there somewhere as well. And we look forward to the new record. Uh, and uh, look forward to Eli's coming on the show sometime Absolutely. soon, before too terribly long. 
So Sam, keep doing what you're doing, man. You're on the right track. Like, don't I know we as artists we doubt ourselves. Like that's kind of sometimes that feels like our stock and trade. Like, what sure. the hell am I doing? Yeah. But but keep at it, man. Yeah. Uh, you've got the talent. You've got the songs, and I really check, hope people check you out. Also, drop by indepthday.com. There's an extra bonus song on there, and there's a video as well. People should check out. Go and stop by our site at Facebook as well, Facebook.com/indepthday. So, Sam, man, thank you. It's been a great time getting to know you and uh, and your music. Thanks, Joe. I appreciate you having me. So, thank you to Sam Morrow and his wingman Eli Wolfmeyer. Also to the Independence Day staff: Dale Tanksley, Wayne Topinski, and Sally Shackleton. The crafty Tony Tone Loke Piscotti manages the Independence Day website. Big hats off to him. Independence Day's theme music was composed by Great Lakes Myth Society, great indie band out of Ann Arbor, Michigan. For Independence Day, I am Joe Armstrong. If you do anything today, please be good to one another. <laughs>